These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Loop In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. You may be missing the lovely voice of my colleague, Nancy Sarnoff, but never fear. She's working on other exciting stories to bring your way, and you'll be hearing from her next week. Today on the show, we're talking about crisis investors. These investors see opportunity in disaster, the ability to buy homes on the cheap and flip them for a high yield or profit. They follow earthquakes, wildfires, and floods, and many in the Houston area received knocks on their doors from investors shortly after Hurricane Harvey. Out-of-town investors alone raised over a billion dollars to buy up homes after Harvey. And two years ago, Houston Chronicle Analysis by David Hun and Matt Dempsey showed that entire streets in certain neighborhoods turned over in the months after the floodwaters receded. So, I had a question. What happened to those homes in those neighborhoods? That question led me to Wimbledon Champions, where Hun and Dempsey had found the highest home turnover in the wake of Harvey. There, I met Mike and Ace, who are going to take us on a tour. My name is Mike Taylor. I'm with Measure Up Appraisal and Consulting Group. Um, I've been appraising since 2014. So I grew up down the road a couple miles away, Spring Creek Oaks. Um, and I had a lot of friends that lived over here. We went to junior high and high school together. So we were just talking about being in this racket club. This is the first time I've ever actually gone inside, but I've driven by this place probably 500 times. By this place, he meant Giamalva's Racket Club. The club is run by Sammy Giamalva, a former pro tennis player, and people drive there from around the region to train. According to Mike, it's not entirely a coincidence that Wimbledon Champions has such a great tennis program. The community was built with tennis in mind. Giamalva's original name was the Wimbledon Racket Club, and the neighborhood's very streets are named after tennis heroes. Think Agassiz Ace Court and Borg Breakpoint Drive. All right, I'm Ace Tejada, and I'm an agent with Better Homes and Gardens Gary Green. I've been here in this neighborhood for a little while now. Um, well, I moved into the neighborhood June 21st of 2018. I've been with Better Homes and Gardens Gary Green for since May of 2018. And, but I've been doing real estate for a little over five years now. What's your history with the neighborhood? We were looking at 50 plus homes uh, whenever it was that my wife and I were looking. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of drove by the area and then we saw like things happening. Like Meyer Park, it was full of folks playing soccer, uh -huh. like league-type ball and things like that. Right after seeing these McMansions right along Cypresswood, and we were just like, wow, there's a lot of, like, just, it's good energy out here. Let's see what the houses are like over here. Mm -hmm. We looked at a couple, and boom, like we fell in love. Um, what I think is interesting is what you just said about your story about purchasing your house at about the same price that it would have sold pre-Harvey, but you got it remodeled. Mm -hmm. I mean, you what would it have been pre-Harvey? 
True probably that. an older house, right? You got new flooring, you got probably a new kitchen, yeah, new cabinets, all that stuff. I mean, there's definitely some perks to, to move in here now if it's similar to the pre-Harvey prices, but now the houses have been heavily upgraded. Yes. Yeah, yes. and you started we're mentioning that you wouldn't have been able to get a house like this if it weren't for this unique That's situation. Right. Like uh, with all the nice amenities that we have, uh, like say, for example, the, the island that we have, uh, this is a huge island. I'd probably say it's probably like eight feet by four feet, right, in the center of the kitchen. And it's all one big old piece of marble slab or, or granite slab. It was Formica before that. <laughs> probably, before yeah. And it came with the pool. Like, we enjoy that. And about what price range was it? Like, I mean, I'll flat out say, hey, we got it at 260. 2,400 square feet. Ace's beautifully remodeled and reasonably priced home had been flipped by an investor, one of the many who came to Houston after Harvey. Mike still remembered seeing those investors in Wimbledon Champion Streets the Thursday after the hurricane. I think it was Thursday I was in this neighborhood helping my friends' uh, families clear out their houses. Uh And there were investors walking up and down the street you know, making cash offers and people were taking them. Like that? Um, oh, yeah. What did they look like? Were they carrying material or signs or were they just Fancy sort of- clothes. <laughs> um, I don't, don't want to bash bags. anybody, but yeah, they're just people who <laughs> got the money. They were, I hate to say circling like sharks, but, you know, they knew what they were after. They knew what they were yeah. going to be able to get things at a discount, especially at a time right after happened when people are tearing out their houses they knew that they were able to after insurance settlements and such um, just be able to get these houses for pennies on the dollar and they did the houses that i know people sold to investors within the days after harvey compared to the ones that hit the market went on har several months later several weeks later yeah big difference in the the sales prices they got Um, more yeah once they got on the open market they were getting more so there are people the investors who were down here just talking to the people people didn't have any representation they didn't have anybody advising them on what the lot and structure value would be um they were getting a little low-balled and you know that's that's how the market works though that's how the investors make their money and we come around full circle And while Ace's home showed how investors could help a neighborhood recover by repairing homes quickly and attracting new families, not every home followed the same trajectory. And some of the houses exchanged hands amongst two investors before it actually landed on a legitimate homeowner. People run out of money, foreclose, they get a hard money loan for 12% and, you know, sits on the market for a year and (laughs) they've got to bail out. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of that in here. You know, there's... um, a house in here that I, I was actually tracking. It was one of the houses that I helped tear out. It was on the market for over a year after it got remodeled. So it took like six months to remodel it, sat on the market for a year, and now it's rented at a pretty high rate, um, mm-hmm. but it's also still on the market. Um, mm. And so now it's only going to be able to be sold to an investor who's willing to take on that 12-month lease, or I don't know how much is left on it. But um, yeah, I think that that's what's happened with a lot of these is they've mm-hmm. turned into rentals but you know you look at the pictures of these these aren't your typical rentals these are nice houses and they're they're going for high dollar per month part of the reason homes sat on the market for hundreds of days was because of an unusual circumstance when investors buy an entire street of houses at the same time that means an entire street of flipped homes will hit the market at more or less the same time you know supply demand right yeah. there there was an oversupply of housing there was um, you know, I remember, I think about 
April of 2018 is when these remodeled houses started really hitting the open market, maybe March. And, um, you know, you look at a map on Har of Wimbledon champions, you saw green, 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 mm-hmm. you know, it's just all active listings. There were so many. And so if you were a buyer, you can be so picky with that. You can be very choosy about which one you want. If you want it at all, you know, there's in addition to maybe some marketability issues, especially initially with flooded homes, there's also just the amount of competition um, in the houses that are available that, you know, a lot of investors thought they'd make a certain amount of money and they got stuck and they ended up renting it out. I think in the two years prior to Harvey in the Wimbledon Champions area, there was like seven rentals that were listed as sold on Har, seven over two years. And in the two years now since then, there's been like 49. Oh, 49 yeah, versus so two. Wow. There's a lot of rentals now in that area. And I think it's mostly because the, the sales probably didn't go according to plan with the investors. And so now they're, mm-hmm. um, they're just renting them out and waiting for a better market to sell them in. So, yeah. yeah. Enough talking. We hit the road to see a handful of homes that had been flooded by Harvey, bought by investors, and were still on the market two years after the flood. 1952. Okay, let's go check it out. First stop, a two-story house that had been on the market for 315 days. That very day, the price had been marked down from 369000 to 355000 or $99.35 a square foot. 3,573 square feet, and it comes in a little bit on the high side of the average price per square foot for the area uh, right now for sales. What do you see? I mean, it obviously has all new floors on the first floor. It does. They put a new carpet on the second floor. They put a new coat of paint everywhere. They put in new light fixtures. It looks like a lot of the other stuff is just how it originally was. I don't think they redid any drywall or anything extensive like that. But, you know, it probably wasn't needed. This house was, when was this house built? I mean, probably 98. Yeah, I mean, 98 in 20 years, all you need is new carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times the investors in these properties will only do the downstairs because that's the part that was damaged, right? And that's the part that everybody's going to be looking at to see, you know, what remains from the flood. So they're going to do new drywall, new flooring, new countertops and, you know, cabinets everywhere. And then the upstairs, what did they do? Did they did they leave it? Did they put in new vanities and carpet and that's it? I don't know. Sometimes they they will completely redo things and put some serious money into it. Um, this one, it looks like they just the paint, carpet. Uh, they put new vanities in the bath. They put uh, remodeled the shower, uh, things like that. So they put some money into the upstairs, new light fixtures. And I think they did the baseboards as well too. Yeah, because, that looks nice. Uh, these baseboards, baseboards Five like inches. this weren't this thick in in '98. How does this rank on the scale of what you've been seeing done in homes in this neighborhood? Like, is this in the middle? Oh, as far as like renovations in, and stuff? In like, terms uh, of like, yeah, what an investor has done to a house. Are we going to be this is, trashing this? I feel like this is actually uh, on the higher end of, of what they've done so far. What um, makes it stand out? Yeah, I mean, like to do baseboards upstairs. I mean, they spent a little bit more to be able to do that. And then also, if you look at the cans and the recessed lighting, they're not yellowed like they usually should be for a house that's 20 years old. So I think they replaced those as well, too. Kind of wish that they would have replaced the windows. That fouling that you see, that's because gas, I mean, the gas that was in between the panes escaped. 
and now it's like outside. It looks cloudy. Yes, cloudy. This room. I guess they were able to clean the windows enough to not replace them, but I would have liked to see new windows um, personally. I don't think that flooring is necessarily high-end. It didn't look like they really completely remodeled the kitchen. They put on new countertops, probably new cabinets, um, some new appliances, but it wasn't completely an overhaul of Joanna Gaines, you know, which <laughs> some of them they are. If you look at some of the pictures on Har, some of them they did. They knocked down a wall and they opened everything up. They wanted it to be uh, with the modern open look. This mm -hmm. house, it looks like they kind of left the structure at least right, right. Uh, intact. So what do you think it would take to move this house? I think their agents need to market it a little bit better rather than just putting it on the MLS, you know, um, and throwing a sign out on the yard. Um, I didn't even see a sign. Was there a sign? There's, I don't think there was one. Lowering the price as well. Like price is the number one factor that sells things. Yeah, price is, good. Price is definitely what's going to sell the helm, I think. Price and more exposure. Yeah, Ace is the expert on moving houses. I just value them, but um, I think you hit the nail on the head with the price per square foot. If, you, if we see from our research that all of the closed sales are 93 to $95 a square foot, I don't know why walking through this house, it should be six more dollars per square foot than the other houses. I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe it's just me. I agree. Then Mike had to run, and Ace and I went on to the next house. A red brick two-story, which had been bought two months after Harvey, then listed at various intervals without selling. Once in November of 2017 for $195,000. Once the following year, in May, for $244,000. And once this September for $319,000 or 84.48 a square foot. So what happened between the 244 and the 318? I'm not sure, but let's okay. go find out. Let's go find out. <laughs> it is hot. It is hot. All right. Hey, this is actually a little different. Rather than having the gray wood or like a the birch-ish color, this is actually uh, kind of red, yeah, kind of redwood-ish. So this also has sort of wide ceramic tile that looks like wood. Yes, Instead uh, of the it's, gray, it's not as wide as the other one. Yeah, the other house was sort of monochromatic gray. There was gray wood tile, there's gray walls. This one has brown, brown wood floors, mm -hmm. these creamy colored walls. Here's an interesting fact about the walls as well too. Me, because I see this so every so often, uh, I can kind of tell where it was that they cut away at the sheetrock. And if you could tell, it's about right here. And the reason why I can tell that is the texturing up here differs from what it looks like down here. Can you see that difference? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of guessing that the investor, they put new paint up. I mean, they, they probably did the sheetrock as well too and stuff, but the tape float and texturing skills of whoever it was they obtained at the time to do that, their work can use a little help. Because if you had someone who really knew how to texture the wall, you wouldn't yeah. be able to tell the difference. They would have textured from the bottom all the way up as well, too. Because it's just really hard to match that texturing. Oh, oh this is hideous. I'm sorry. <laughs> but They had the same reaction when I walked in there. That's Chronicle photographer Mark Mulligan, who joined us on the tour. Well, the floor plan here just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You have to walk. I mean, yeah, from, from a common area, you have to walk into the bathroom. So we just turned off the entry hallway into maybe the master bedroom? 
bathroom? A master bathroom. The master yeah, bathroom is off the entryway. Tiling differs from the master bedroom to the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The master bedroom has different faux wood floors yeah, than the rest of the house. Mm-hmm. And this right here, this is kind of it's vinyl versus what's out, what is out there, which is porcelain or ceramic. And then even the wood here in the closet is different, I think, or it just looks that way. Oh, dude, and I guess they tried to put in a new tub. They just didn't clean it up. And you can also tell from the windows as well, too. Still single-paned windows. They didn't put the right touches on here. But this floor plan, why this? Like, uh, dang, that, that's probably what's killing them. In the kitchen, his mood changed. Yeah, but hey, this ain't bad. Um, the kitchen. Yeah, it's a pretty nice focal point. I mean, it, it, the kitchens are usually a focal point, but I think they did a good job here. Ace admired the cabinetry island, then spotted the oven installed directly into the drywall. Oh, hey, that's cool as well, too. Well, cool-ish, because rather than actually having some kind of like wooden type backing in order to match those, they just kind of put it right here into the sheetrock. So while it looks cool, it is also a cheaper option. His conclusion? Um... I think this is going to be a hard sell, even at this good price point, especially whenever it is that you have a lot of other options that you can choose from. Currently right now within Wimbledon Champions, for active homes available for sale, there are 23. There are 23 homes for sale in this neighborhood right now? 23 homes in this neighborhood that are for sale on HAR. House number three, a home that had been purchased three months after Harvey by a local wholesaler, then resold in a week to Home Today Incorporated an investor out of Nevada. Home Today bought 72 homes in Harris County within six months of Harvey, according to appraisal district documents, making it one of the top buyers of Harvey-flooded homes. Two years later, 61 of those homes had entered foreclosure. The company has been sued by contractors who claim to be owed $195,000. Harris County and Spring Independent School District also sued, saying they were owed a cumulative $34,000. The original loans Home Today's lenders were trying to recoup totaled $15.7 million. Home Today did not respond to multiple requests for comment on the story. This was one of the foreclosed homes that had been sold at auction. It had been relisted for $250,000, or $96.52 a square foot. Yeah, considering the price of... Um, here, this one here might need some help. The garage... It looks like it hadn't been power washed ever. Need some help out here on the lawn. And look, if you look at the door as well too, hadn't ever been cleaned, it looks like. So right in the entryway, there's some old fixtures that look like a lock that they recently took off the door. Mm-hmm. Um, this also has, you know, the the tile wood, but it's narrow. Well, uh, this is, um, yeah, this is, this is laminate. Laminate. We are looking at four bedrooms, two baths only. No half bath? Oh, wow. Is that thing drained? Oh, sick. Ace had spotted the swimming pool. The water in the pool was a shamrock green. Um, I mean, the, the, that green water is sitting a, a foot and a half below, below that water line. 
and I'm looking here at the plaster. Right now, the plaster looks like it's in good shape, right? But you don't want to expose plaster like this to sunlight uh, without it being wet and stuff. Otherwise, it's going to crack. Oh, and then what? Are you kidding? This is why the water is green. There's no filter. They've taken out all the heating, the, the filter, um, the salt cells. All of this that I'm seeing is exposed PVC piping with a couple of valves as well too. Um, wiring coming out of the, the conduit box. Nah, man, that kind of distraughts me to see this. And then you're trying to sell it at this price per square foot? Come on, man. But you look at the interior of this home here, I mean, it's got nice cabinets, GE gold appliances. This is a pretty thick stone slab as well, too. They lift it a little bit and stuff, but this looks like, from what I can feel, it looks like an inch, inch thick granite. Oh, yeah. The hardware, look at this. So the hardware, it's the soft clothes one. Imagine it right now. Like, it's... Two o'clock in the morning, right? You're trying to get ahead of your baby's Ace and his wife are the proud parents of a four-month-old son. You don't want to wake him up, but you need to get the bottle out of here or something like that. And you can easily close this and you won't get, I mean, it won't slam and the baby's not going to be startled by a loud noise and stuff. So that's one of the things that I appreciate about my house right now. It came with that the soft close hardware for the cabinets. <laughs> Um, it's interesting. What, the kitchen is like an island, but it's also like an island of finishedness. The kitchen seems pretty finished compared oh, yeah. to everything else. You know, like it has this nice sort of, it has a little island, and then mm. the sink is on this counter that faces the living room and the pool. That looks over that. And it overlooks like, yeah, the living room has these tall windows. You can see this, what could be a beautiful pool straight through the windows. Yeah, so while you're over there chopping vegetables mm -hmm. and preparing dinner, you can look out and see, oh, hey, my kids are safe out there in the pool. Mm -hmm. And then if you look up as well, too, natural lighting, natural lighting comes down and just kind of graces the kitchen. Um, it's a nice house. It has a lot of potential and stuff, but they just, they need to price it at potential. Either price it at potential or actually do the amount of work that it takes in order to get it to, so that way it'll sell at 96, 96.52 of a square foot. Back in the car, I had one last question. All right, my last question. Sure thing. Um, so a lot of these houses have been on the market for like a year. Mm -hmm. For a long time, probably losing the investor's money, but they're, they're also empty. And as someone who's just moved here, do all the empty houses impact the personality of a neighborhood? Oh, yeah, 100%. Mainly because it's kind of tore our HOA up a little bit. And some of the investors, and they can kind of vote for members that would have their interests in mind to put those members up on the HOA whenever it is that, like, those individuals don't really have a vested interest to actually make the neighborhood better. Um, also, like uh, a lot of the newer families that did move in, they're younger. Usually what the younger folks like to do is, I, 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 don't, I don't know how that happened, maybe social media or something like that, but, um, or maybe it is that we just got so busy that nobody's really planning and coordinating these events to actually get the neighborhood out and get together and stuff. So that's where we're stepping up. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Thanks for taking us on this tour as well. Yeah, yeah. We recorded this tour the Monday before Tropical Storm Imelda caused devastating flooding in Texas, and many neighborhoods began down the same road to recovery this one began two years ago. My heart goes out to everyone who was affected. That's our show for today. Please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And, as Nancy would say... If you have an idea for a show or just want to say hi, you can reach out. I'm on Twitter at R-A-Shoots. That's R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>